All right, well, welcome everybody. Again, so glad that you are here joining us on this Father's Day weekend at Skyline Church Online. So glad that you are here. Dads, we just want to say happy Father's Day to you. So glad that you're spending part of it part of it with us here online. And really quickly, I want to let you know about a couple of things before we dive in today. I want to invite you this coming week, Wednesday, June 24th, we're starting what we're calling our Backstage Pass. We're inviting you to join us on Wednesday evenings as we worship. I know that as our state is reopening and restaurants and businesses are all starting to open up, a lot of us are asking, hey, what does that mean for us? What's that mean for our building? And while we're not quite ready yet to fully open on Sundays, we want to invite you to Join us Wednesday evenings as we worship and record. want to invite you to be here with us as we do that. And there's, there's going to be limited capacity for that, but you can just go to our website. You can go to skylinechurch.cc uh, backslash backstage, uh, and you can register to be there for that. And then I want to invite you also this Friday, June 26th, uh, to join us for another um, installment of our Race and Riots conversation that we're going to be having this Friday. I want to invite you to, to be here for that. Now listen to every dad who is here listening right now. Listen, I just want to tell you again, happy Father's Day. I want to tell you that we are with you. We're behind you. We support you. We love you. Listen, whether you've got little kids, young kids, grown kids, if you're a grandfather, a great-grandfather, if you're a, a soon-to-be dad, a new dad, listen, we love you. Happy Father's Day. And listen, you're unconditional love, your support, your ability to be present and available with your children is the greatest gift that you're ever going to be able to give them. We just want to encourage you in that, support you in all of that. We love you. We're behind you. I wish that we could be together today to celebrate with you. And listen, I know that that days like this, like Father's Day or Mother's Day, bring up a lot of emotions for, for all of us. And, and for some of us, it brings up a lot of great memories and, and great emotions and some amazing things. But for some of us, it brings up some painful ones. And for some of us, it, it brings up like a lot of incredible memories of, of from your childhood or, or even your adulthood of, of, of your earthly father and your relationship with him. And for others of us, this day can be really painful or difficult because it brings up complicated or, or perhaps even painful memories of, of your earthly father. Listen, I just want you to know right now that, that no matter what comes up for you on Father's Day, that not only do, do we love you and support you, but you have a heavenly father who loves you, who is passionate about you, who is dedicated to you and beyond measure, beyond what you could ever know, that you have a heavenly father who is pursuing you, chasing after you, is proud of you, and loves you passionately right where you are. So on this Father's Day, I just want you to, to just feel loved by your heavenly father. You know, and I, I wish that I could say that, that this was going to be like a regular Father's Day message. Um, you know, to, to talk about how, how fun it is to be a father and to, to tell funny stories about our kids and how to love your kids uh, like your heavenly father loves you. But, but if we're honest, this isn't a regular Father's Day. Uh, it's, and it's not just that most of us have, have been in our homes for like going on over three months and that all of our routines have been upended. But, but for two plus weeks, our nation has, has been in unrest there's so much hurt and pain, injustice. I can't help but feel that, that in this moment, the heart of our Heavenly Father is aching. 
you know, one of the ways that, that God revealed himself to us is as a father. One of the ways that he demonstrated that, that we can be in relationship with him and that we can relate to him is as a father. And we see that in the Old Testament. We see it in the New Testament. Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 9. God's saying, I will lead them beside streams of water on a level path where they will not stumble because I am Israel's father. Deuteronomy 32, 6. It's talking about, talking about your heavenly, is he not your father, your creator who made you and formed you? Jesus taught us in Matthew chapter six, he said, listen, this then is how you should pray. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Romans chapter eight, the apostle Paul encourages us, the spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you can live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought you, brought you into adoption to sonship and by him we cry Abba or daddy, father. Matthew chapter seven, Jesus is teaching, he says, which of you if your son were to ask for bread gives him a stone? Or if he asked for a fish, would you give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask for him? So, so God's revealed himself. One of the ways that he's revealed himself is as a father. Now, this is not to say that God is a man. He's not. Uh, it, it, God is spirit. Uh, G, that's what Jesus tells the, the Samaritan woman at the well in John chapter 4, that, that God is spirit and, and that he is looking for people who will worship him in spirit and in truth. And when God created man and woman, he created them both in his image. Bo both every man and every woman bear the incredible and amazing image of their creator. But one of the ways that God chose to reveal himself is as a father. And so on this Father's Day, on this very unique Father's Day, I, I couldn't get away from, from this idea of carrying our Father's heart. And so today for each and every one of us, whether, whether you're a dad or not, uh, whether you have a strong and amazing relationship with your earthly father or perhaps you have a painful or, or absent relationship with your earthly father, I, I really just wanted to spend a little bit of time focusing today on, on our heavenly Father's heart. Really what I want to do is I, I want to issue a challenge to each of us about carrying the heart of our Father because that's what we're supposed to do. That, that's who we are supposed to be, God's people, Jesus' church. We're supposed to be builders of his kingdom and that can't happen without understanding our Father's heart. Uh, I'll say it this way. We can't build God's kingdom unless we carry his heart. And, and if we don't, we, we then run the risk of building a kingdom that really isn't in line with him or, or building our own kingdom if we don't fully understand his heart. And if, if I'm honest in this moment, I think that the heart of our heavenly father hurts and breaks. It breaks over the unrest. It breaks over the riots. It breaks over the deep pain within his very own creation. It breaks over the injustice of a system that has allowed certain people to be marginalized. And I think what perhaps breaks his heart more is that his very own people have been unaware as to what is crushing their brothers and sisters. That, that his people 
have been solely focused on eternity that perhaps we've neglected the very place that he's called us to right now. And, and I think that if we fully understood the heart of our heavenly father, we'd understand that, listen, his heart is both for full life in eternity and full life here and now. I mean, that's what Jesus helped us understand in John chapter 10, verse 10. Jesus said, listen, I came that you may have life and that you may have it to its fullest, that it might be abundant, that he was born, he walked this earth, he taught, he laid down his life, defeated sin in the grave, not only so that we could have eternal life, but so that we could have abundant life here. And I know that that some of us right now are tempted to make the argument, but, but pastor, the eternity is more important. Eternity is longer. I mean, eternity is eternity. We, we have to focus on that. We have to focus on getting people into eternity. And listen to me, yes, eternity is eternity. And yes, our life in eternity was purchased and sealed by the blood of Jesus. And of course, of course, I am, and this church is passionate about seeing as many people enter into eternal life in Jesus' name, but who would, who would want the heaven that we're pointing them to if we're unwilling to do the hard work of bringing heaven to their lives right now? I'll say it this way. I, I, I think we don't fully understand our heavenly Father's heart if we assume that all he cares about is eternity. And this is where I want to challenge some of us today. And this is where I want you to, to, to be open, where I want you to open your heart and I want you to open your mind to the whole of our Father's heart. Because you see, justice was built into the law that God gave his people, the nation of Israel. We see this all the way back in the giving of the law, Exodus chapter 22 Verses 21 and 22 say this, do not mistreat or oppress a foreigner for you were foreigners in Egypt. Do not take advantage of the widow or the fatherless. You see quite often in the Old Testament, you'll see the, the widow and the fatherless paired together. Because in, in ancient Near East culture, which is where God called Abraham out of and is the context in which it's given, the widow and the fatherless were typical instances of the unprotected, the exploited, and they were especially subject to oppression. The rules of culture and, and society did not work in their favor. In fact, society and culture would often mistreat and take advantage of them. They would exploit them. The system worked against them. And so the Lord tells his people, you're to be different. If the world and society and the system that's in place exploits people, you're not to be a part of it. And by the way, in case if you're wondering if God was really serious about this or not, read verse 23. After he says, don't neglect, don't mistreat, here's what he says, if you do, they're going to cry out to me, and I will certainly hear their cry. My anger will be aroused, and I will kill you with the sword. Your wives will become widows, and your children fatherless. So the, the, the Lord, this is near and dear to his heart, and and what happens, we, we read this and we may be able to 
easily tell ourselves in, in this season as we're, as we're watching riots take place on TV and as we watch people share story after story of, of being mistreated and how a system is not, is not working for them, but it's working against them. Hearing stories of, of racism, not a hundred years ago, but, but today, and we can look at all of this from a place of comfort and say, well, I'm not doing that. I'm not, I'm not part of the issue because I've never held anybody down. I've, I've never discriminated against anybody based on the color of their skin. See, so I did it. I did what the, what the Lord commanded. He said not to mistreat people. He said not to take advantage. He said not to exploit. See, I did. I, I never did that to anybody. And if we aren't careful, we'll convince ourselves that simply not being part of the problem is enough. But your heavenly father's heart is for people. It's to see people restored, to see people revived. It's to see abundant life for everybody. It's not just to see people reconciled to him, but it's also to see people reconciled to one another. So simply not being a cause of the problem can't be enough for us. We're, we're, we aren't simply called to not be a problem. We're called to be a part of the, the solution, to be a part of bringing change, bringing his kingdom here. Look what it says in Proverbs chapter 31, verses 8 and 9. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. For the rights of all who are destitute, speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. And again, I, I'm, I'm just, I just want to help us understand the entire heart of our Father. And, and in case you think I'm sing, singling out like one or two verses to make a point, I promise that the theme of justice is all throughout Scripture. We could talk about it later. I can give you all the references that you want. I just want us to fully understand and get a picture of the heart of our Heavenly Father. Why? So that we can begin to carry it. Because we can't build His kingdom if we don't carry His heart. And so we read in Exodus chapter 22 that as part of the law that God gave his people, he said don't mistreat, don't oppress, don't exploit those who are marginalized, those who the system does not work in favor for. But now in Proverbs 31, it isn't just, hey, don't do those things. Now it's a call to stand up, raise your voice, stand beside, fight for those who've been pressed down. And listen, not just for those who look like you, sound like you, believe like you, vote like you, live like you, shop where you shop, eat where you eat, go to school where your kids go to school, watch what you watch, listen to what you, I could keep on going. The li if you see things that are unfair, speak up. I think the Western church, really the American church, has certain things that we like to speak up against. There are certain issues that we love to raise our voices for, and I'm not even going to get into all of that, but yet we find ourselves here in the middle of watching our black brothers and sisters in pain and anguish for years, declaring that there's something in the system that isn't working, that there's injustice taking place. Where's the church? Where's the people carrying the heart of their father? We're the ones raising their voices. 
We're the ones speaking up. Where are the ones who are standing with and fighting for those who've been trying to fight? Where are those who will use their voice, their platform, their leverage, and their privilege so that we can help bring full and abundant life to those crying out for it? And it seems risky. It seems political. It seems messy. Many of us are even unsure where to begin. What do I say? What do I do? How do and that, now listen, politics has very much become a part of all of this, but please understand that at the heart of all of this, it's not politics, it's people. People who have been wounded and people who have been doing the wounding. And it's the calling of Jesus' church, of those who carry the heart of his Father to step in into all of the hurt, into all of the brokenness, into all of the wounds, and to help bring abundant life. And right now, in this moment, there are some of you that are going to accuse me of potentially swinging the pendulum too far in a direction that you don't really like. Pastor, it sounds like you're saying we should just be all about social justice and jumping into those issues. What about Jesus? What about salvation? What about eternity? What about getting people to come to church and get baptized? Here's what I'm going to say to you right now. If you're fighting that urge, if that's what's immediately coming up for you as we're talking about this, I want you to understand something. That God's kingdom has never been either or. It has always been both and. Now let me explain that. God's kingdom has never been, well, it either has to be about justice or it has to be about Jesus and eternal life. Somewhere along the way, the church Not Jesus, but the church made those things mutually exclusive. But God's kingdom has always been both and. As in, God's kingdom looks both like pointing people to eternal life through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross and bringing heaven here to earth because Jesus told us to lay down our lives for each other. It's not one or the other, it's both. And some of you are still thinking, this is too much. This isn't church. This isn't Jesus. Listen, there's, there's a miracle recorded in the Gospels of, and uh, we're going to read the one from Luke, of Jesus he, uh, healing a paralytic. And so Jesus is teaching at a house, and it's packed, slammed. There's no room. No one can get in. Some of you are probably very familiar with this story. So Jesus is teaching. House is packed. People all around town get word that Jesus is there. And so the friends of this paralytic man carry him to the house to see Jesus, only to find out that they can't get in the front door. And so they climb to the top of the house, and they cut a hole in the roof, putting together some kind of, I don't even know how they did this, they like put together some kind of pulley system to lower their friend down in front of Jesus. Now listen, it's important to understand at this time, in the first century, in this culture, in this region, this paralytic had no resources. Both the religious system and the cultural system forced him to be an outsider, unknown, uncared for, exploited, constantly in need, not having a voice. 
And so Jesus, knowing the dynamics at play in this situation, knowing that the religious leaders are there watching him, and let's be honest, in this time, it was really the religious system that had immense power over the, over the people. And so Jesus knows that they're watching. And knowing that he is constantly upending and turning over the system because it oppressed people and crushed them, this is the conversation that we read that takes place when this man finally gets in front of Jesus. Luke chapter 5, starting in verse 20. It says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to them, friend, your sins are forgiven. And it says, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, the religious leaders, began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sin but God alone? And I love it because it says, Jesus knew what they were thinking. And he asked, why are you thinking these things in your heart? Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And so he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. And it's in this very instant that we see Jesus address both eternity and justice here. Jesus did not do ministry and do life in a way that was like, well, it either has to be this or it either has to be that. It either has to be eternity or it has to be justice. No, no, his mission, his carrying of his father's heart was both and. It was both eternity and, listen, Jesus didn't point people towards an eventual better existence on the other side of eternity. He also restored them on this side of eternity. Jesus didn't feel any tension whatsoever to choose between bringing eternal healing and immediate healing. And honestly, none of this should surprise any of us. And it certainly didn't surprise, the, it should not have surprised anybody in his day who had known anything. It's not by any accident that the day that Jesus is stepping into public ministry, he stood up on the Sabbath in the synagogue, and, and this is what we read. They handed him the scroll of Isaiah. Luke chapter four, it says this, he went to Nazareth where he'd been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom, he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, unrolling it. He found the, listen, he chose the place. He found the place where it is written, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom. Listen, for the prisoners, recovery of sight, for the blind. Listen, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus is declaring from the outset that his ministry, his work, if you're going to follow him, that carrying the heart of your heavenly father does not put you at odds with justice, but it instead places you at the forefront of fighting for justice. That's the gospel. Through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, there is hope for eternity. And in Jesus' name and through his authority, we are called to declare both life eternal and abundant life here and now.
And you know, there was, there's something in that conversation that Jesus had with the religious leaders. Really the, the religious system in Luke chapter five that I, I just couldn't get away from this week. It says, Jesus knew what they were thinking. And Jesus looks at them and says, which is easier? Which is easier? Is it easier for me to declare to this man that the other side of eternity will be better? Or would it be easier for me to impact his oppression on this side of eternity? And by the way, Jesus is asking a rhetorical question. It would be much easier for Jesus to simply say, hey, your sins are forgiven. Then to, to simply say, hey, it'll be better on the other side of eternity. Sorry about your legs. Sorry about the oppression. Sorry about the system that's working against you. But at least your eternity is secure. Or to demonstrate the power of the gospel. In order to demonstrate it. In order to carry out the heart of our Heavenly Father. Jesus says, hey, I'm not just going to do what's easier. I'm going to do something to prove the power of the gospel. I'm going to impact his situation now. And I couldn't get away from that question. Which is easier? Which is easier? And I want to ask us that question. Church, which is easier? To stand and say, hey, come to church. Here's Jesus. Here's hope for the other side of eternity. Or to stand and say, hey, I see your hurt. I see your pain. I see that you're crushed. I see the oppression. I see the suffering. And I choose to stand with you and to fight for you, to stand beside the marginalized so that this side of eternity can also be impacted. I know which one is easier. Chances are you know which one is easier too. And what I'm afraid of is that we've chosen what's easier. And neither of these are fully the gospel on their own. Pointing toward heaven in Jesus' name without bringing heaven here is not the full gospel. And bringing heaven here, bringing justice here without also pointing to heaven through Jesus is not the full gospel. Jesus never saw attention here, but for some reason we do. And then I began to wonder, what would happen if we chose both? What would happen if we pointed towards the resurrection power of Jesus and also sought justice? But, but pastor, if we, what, what if we fight for justice? 
What if we fight to help give people abundant life here and now, and then we don't hand out a track? Or if we don't have an altar call, what if we fight for justice and no one stands up and opens their Bible and preaches the gospel? I was reminded of a passage in Isaiah, if you're asking that question. Isaiah chapter 58, verses 6 through 10. It says this, Is not this the kind of fasting you can say worship that I have chosen. Listen to me. This is, this is the word of your heavenly Father. To loose the chains of injustice. Untie the cords of the yoke. To set the oppressed free and break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away your own flesh and blood? Now listen, Scripture's getting ready to tell you what happens when you do those things. If you will help break injustice, if you'll help break chains, if you'll help break bondage, listen, it says, then, your light will break forth like the dawn your healing will quickly appear then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the lord will be your rear guard if you'll fight for the oppressed your light is going to shine forth it then it says then you will call and the lord will answer you'll cry for help and he'll say here am i if you do away with the yoke of oppression with the pointing finger and malicious talk. And if you spend yourself in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will be like noon. What if somehow, <laughs> what if somehow God is bigger than all we imagine? What if he actually knows better than we do? What if he knows that when we break the chains of oppression, when we take our life into the darkest of places, into the hardest of places, that he will provide for eternity? What if God's favor and his anointing is poured out on his people when they have a both and perspective? What if bringing more of heaven to hard places was a catalyst to pointing more people to eternal life through Jesus? What if God is waiting to see his people, to see his church, not just point people to heaven, but bring heaven to people? And it's in that moment that both his anointing will be poured out and the gospel will be most effective. Listen to me. The Father's heart demands that we take light to dark places. It demands that we bring light 
to places where no one is going. So here's the question I want to ask us. Do you have your Father's heart? Do you have your Father's heart? Here's what I want to do. I want to honor this moment. Every head bowed, every heart open. Maybe in this very moment, <laughs> there's a tension inside of you. There's, there's things pulling inside. You say, I, I, I've never thought about it this way. I just always thought it was about pointing people towards eternity. Yes, we're going to declare the good news of the gospel that Jesus died, shed his blood, was resurrected, purchased a place for me on the other side of eternity. But that's one hand. The other hand of the gospel declares that we seek justice declares that we we speak up when voices need to be raised declares that we stand beside those who are hurt and marginalized so here's what I want to do every head bowed every heart open in this moment maybe you feel you're saying pastor I I don't know that I've ever really had my father's heart. I, I don't know that I'm I don't know that I'm carrying it very well. Well the good news for you today is listen, you're simply a breath away from change. You know, scripture uses the word repent. All that word means is this. Repent means that you were headed in one direction. And then you turn and you head into another direction. And so today, listen, if you want to turn, if you want to repent, your heavenly Father stands with arms open wide. So here's what I want to do. I want, and no matter where you are, I want you to pray this prayer with me. For the sake of everybody who's going to pray this prayer, I want to cover them. Listen to me, if you, if you pray this prayer in faith, so you have access to the Father's heart. And maybe there's some of us today, you need to step into eternal life. You've never done that before in Jesus' name. And some of us today need to step into raising our voice, speaking up, knowing and understanding that your Heavenly Father's heart is for justice, for the oppressed, for the marginalized. And so listen, if that's you today, right where you are, you're saying, Pastor, that's me. Will you pray for me? Will you pray for my heart? Will you pray to help me carry the heart of my Father? Right where you are, I just want you to lift your hand up right where you are in your home, whoever you're with, say, Pastor, that's me, and I'm going to pray for you. 
Jesus, I pray right now for every single person, Lord, who's declaring in faith that they need to step into the wholeness of understanding your heart. And Lord, maybe we haven't been carrying your heart to its fullest. Lord, maybe I've been so focused on eternity. I've been so focused on what, on settling the other side of eternity that I've neglected this side of eternity. And I pray right now for every man, every woman under the sound of my voice that we would begin to walk in the fullness of your heart, walk in the fullness of your gospel, and that we would declare both life eternal and life abundant on this side of eternity that your church would be full of your heart that your church would carry your heart that your church would bring the whole gospel everywhere we go we stand with the oppressed we stand with the marginalized we seek justice where it needs to be found and point people to faith in jesus name come on there's so many of us right now our faith is being stirred our mind is being stirred come on wherever you are lift up a shout of praise in jesus name for everything he's doing for lives that are changing lives that are being transformed by the gospel in jesus name now listen if you prayed a prayer you said pastor that was me because i want to tell you one simple thing welcome home <laughs> Your heavenly Father stands with arms open wide. Listen, ready to receive you, but also ready to commission you and send you out to declare the good news of the gospel. Listen, we say this every week. One of the worst things you could do would to be, to be inspired to make change and then not do anything about it. So here's what I want you right now in this moment, there's a little button you can click. It says, hey, that was me. Uh, I prayed that prayer. I lifted my hand. Just click that button. Let us know. We'd love to connect with you, pray with you, partner with you in your journey of faith. Stand with you. Now listen, we're going we're gonna to end our time together the same way we do each and every week with an opportunity to give our tithes and our offering. Now listen, if you're new with us, we don't want anything from you. But if you call Skyline Church your home, all we ever ask is that you should ask Jesus what you should give and then just be obedient. Because we know that on the other side of obedience, there's blessing for you and for your family. There's two really easy ways you can give. You can give uh, right through our website or our app. You can also give right from your smartphone. You can text the amount you want to give to 84321 and then just follow the prompts from there. Now, church, I just want to remind you in this season, continue to be faithful, consistent, and generous because when you are, when God's people are faithful, consistent, and generous, the church gets to be faithful, consistent, and generous 
in our city. We get to feed people. We get to care for people. We get to meet needs. We get to help people where they are. We get to hand our resources into the hand of our city. So come on, church, in this season, keep being faithful. In this season, keep being consistent. In this season, keep being generous. Amen. All right, I want to I just pray for us. Give us a blessing as we, as we end our time together. So right where you are, lift your hands up right where you are. I just pray that you receive this. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would give us your heart. Help us to carry it. Jesus, I pray that your very presence would go before your people. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would fill each and every one of us, empower us. And Heavenly Father, I pray that your good face would shine upon us until we gather together again. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, we love you. We miss you. Sign up, Backstage Pass. This coming week, we'd love to see you on Wednesday. Have a great week. Stay connected. We miss you guys.